I got to jump into the word because I've actually given myself about 25 minutes to share a message that I actually brought an illustration today. Um, and I, uh, I felt like it was, uh, I don't know, have, has anybody, does this look familiar to you guys? Because I was trying to think, did I ever share this before? But uh, this is something in my heart uh, that I think I told you about three weeks ago, if you were here, that I wasn't, I was going to prepare a new series. And I had it all kind of put together, and now I have it all done. And, but the Lord didn't really release me to share that. So for the last couple of weeks, I just kind of gave you what was in my heart. But today, I felt like I needed to share with you this thought, and that is that we should be growing deeper in the Lord. And it actually is a lesson or a study in uh, developing a spiritual root system. Um, and this is important to me because after our Easter service, uh, we, during that service, we had a lot of people, we had 27 people, uh, make a decision for Christ to be the Lord of their life. And, and so it was, it was kind of one of those things that I, I've always believed that we just can't say, well, God, I'm, I'm making a decision and I signed the card. I walked the aisle, made the prayer, and now I'm good to go. And, and Paul actually mentions that where he says, hey, don't just, don't just receive grace and then use grace as a license to live like hell. And I mean that spiritually, right? He, he, just, he just said, don't, don't use grace as a way to go, hey, now that I'm, I'm under, I'm, I know Christ, well, just remember this part, okay, for me, is that even the devil knows who Christ is. I don't think that makes him a Christian. I may be wrong. But every day I wake up and right now I have back pain, I don't think it's from God. And I didn't do anything. I think the devil just hates me coming to church on Sunday, personally. Right? You're a very exciting crowd, I can tell today. <laughs> and so I actually think he does. I, so it's not a matter of belief. I think there's something that goes beyond that where we start working out what Christ did on the inside of us. And it's important important that we start developing a spiritual uh, root system. I want to give you a scripture and then I'll kind of jump into this and I'll kind of give the illustration. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, So then, just as you've received Christ as your Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So he doesn't just say, hey, now that you got to this point, now you're good. He's like, hey, continue to do it. Don't just do it one day. Don't just do Easter and Christmas with the Lord and with the body of Christ. He's actually saying, hey, make it a habit. That's really what he's saying. Make it habitual. He says, continue to live in your, your lives in him. Rooted. I don't know if you say rooted or rooted, but bear with me. I'm from the South. Uh, and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I want to real quick, I want to go back over that. And so we're, we're, we're putting down roots, we're built up in him, strengthened in the faith. So whatever faith you professed in him, right? The moment you got saved, you had to have faith that he is. You had to have faith that he is the son of God. You had to have faith that God raised him from the dead. To know him, that's what salvation was. And then he says that you're uh, uh, that your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And I think one of the things that we even sang about today is being thankful 
for who God is in our life. And there's so many of us that have come out of so much stuff, right, that we have got a lot to be thankful for. And I'm, I'm in that boat uh, where I could look back at my life and say, thank you, God, so many days of how much I've come out of and how many things I've, uh, I've, I've dealt with. I wanna, so I want to talk about spiritual death. How do we grow deeper? How do we put down some spiritual roots, if you would? It's a good thing for all of us to be rooted in something and, and especially in the things of God. Not everyone, actually not everyone who receives Christ continues on to a meaningful, real relationship with Him. Many people begin a relationship with Christ, but it doesn't last. And that's really what I want to talk about. What is lasting? Because what is lasting is what's going to carry you out. Remember this, is that the only thing that will last eternity is your spirit. And it's going to last somewhere, right? The Bible says even heaven and earth will pass away. But one thing that will remain is not only the word of God, but you. And so we're going to be remaining somewhere. And so, but we need to make sure that our relationship with God while we're on this planet is a lasting relationship. It's something good. And here Paul says in the same way you receive Christ, it's important that you continue on. So I brought this tree as an example. And after this series, if you want this tree, you can have it because uh, it just looks like work if I have to go plant it in my yard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, so I, I, I bought a tree. And you're like, what a waste, Pastor. But somebody will come up to me afterwards because uh, and they'll say, hey, I, I really would like that tree. So the first person that comes and asks me after the service, not right now, <laughs> uh, we, we, you can have it. Um, if you say, well, I like that tree. If you don't like a tree, then we'll have a bonfire of series where we'll burn it. And so, no. So I brought the tree, but one of the things about the tree is it looks, it's not the prettiest tree I could find, but it's the cheapest tree I could find. And, uh, um, but in the, in, the, in the sense of being a tree, one of the things that has to happen for this tree to actually grow and become better is a, a transformation will have to take place. It will, it, it, and actually I was getting a whole tutorial when I was buying the tree from this guy that was about 195 years old, and he was telling me, um, he, he was telling me, he's like, oh, and I wasn't even asking, I was on the cart trying to get, figure out how to get it through the door, and you know, so I'm bending it down, and I'm bending it over, and he comes, he's like, you know the first thing you've got to do when you get that thing? I'm like, okay, and he, he starts telling, and that's the southern voice that he had, he goes, you got to get that thing out of there. And you, how you do it is you pull the thing out and then you cut it about six inches in on each side. And I'm like, is this Larry the Cable Guy or what? <laughs> That's the way he sounded. I was like, oh, okay. And so he's giving me the instruction. He's going through the whole thing. But in order for the tree to make something or to be something or have healthy, over the next few days or weeks, it's going to have to go through a transformation. The biggest transformation, it'll need to change environment. It'll have to change from being this small container and you have to be able to pull it up, put it somewhere where it can actually grow deep. And if it does, then it becomes stronger and healthier. But if you take that tree, right, and you just set it in the yard just like it is, I promise you the South Dakota wind will make havoc of it, right? The first thing you'll notice tomorrow morning when you come out is the tree will be laying down, right? And then the, over a course of weeks, you'll notice that there's no more uh, partially pretty flowers on it or blooms. 
It'll just stay and it'll begin to die. And so something will have to happen. And what, is ha- what, what we call that is it has to be planted. It simply has to be planted. And it's not enough to become a living tree. That's what happens when we know Christ or we become saved, if you would, or our salvation is a part of our life. We receive His grace. That's what happens when we're born again. Now that we're born, we, we need to become planted somewhere. And it's not just planted in a church. That's part of it. But it's planted in the things of God. It's planted. It's where the things of God actually live inside of us. They dwell inside of us so that we grow up where we actually have some strength inside of us. Is everybody with me on this? Now, that we're, we, have to, we have to get into the place where we grow deep and we're planted in Christ. and We need to know how to be planted. And Paul tells us, that we're planted in the same way that we actually received him, that we're saved. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we know people, uh, you, you don't just say that and it happened. It just doesn't work like that. Um, hey, I think, I'll, I think I'll just call on the name of the Lord today and, and, and that's the way it happened. It, it usually doesn't happen like that. And I, I, it usually happens because we're, um, we have somebody in our life. There's a relationship with somebody. We've cultivated that. It may happen where we have an encounter with somebody who knows the Lord. It may happen where we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened with me. But so there's this process that's required before a person receives Christ. And I'll give you the, the process. Verse, verse 14 says, how then... Can they call on one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And he's actually talking about the gospel there. And so he says there's actually a four-step process that we go through in order to become a Christian. Someone has to minister then we have to hear, then we have to believe, then we have to decide we're actually going to follow Christ. And Paul says those are the same four steps that it takes to become planted. That it not just that it becomes a part of your salvation, but those are the same things it takes to be planted. You have to hear the word of God. You have to continue on in the things of God. And if you don't hear the word of God, it's hard to continue in the things of God. Let me say that. So someone's got to speak, we got to hear, we got to start believing, and then we act on what we believe. That's the process of being planted. That's the process of of beginning to develop some spiritual roots. And so over the next three or four weeks, I want to kind of talk about how do we do that? What does it look like to do that? What does it actually look like to be a Christian? And especially in today's lifestyle, in today's America, if you would. Now, in today's world, I will tell you this that there's a statistic done by Barna Research that says 72% of those who receive Christ don't continue on in a relationship with them in America. 72%. It's a sad thing, but it's a statistical fact that more than 70% will pray and ask Christ into their heart and then after a period of time will return to the old nature. And what's, uh, what's amazing about that to me is that when I, and I'm just going to use me, is that okay? Because uh, I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings, so I'll hurt my own. Is that I, I, when I got saved, when I came to Christ, it, cha- it radically changed my life. Because I was in, you have to understand, I was the guy that was in and out of jail. 
I was doing my thing. I was sowing my seed. I was living. And people who say to me, man, I never had so much fun. I always say this. People say, man, I've never had, never had as much fun in the world as I have in Christ. Man, you weren't doing it right because I was having a lot of fun in the world. I was. And I, was, I, I knew what I was doing. But the, the, the fact remains is I've never had more joy. I've never had more joy. But what changed on the inside of me is that the moment I, I came to this place where I acknowledged that Christ, I wanted Christ in my life, the next day, the very next day, I, God just sent people into my life. It was just radical. I'd never seen anything like it. And from that day to this day, there was things that, that just fell off my life that I just never picked back up, never, never got involved in again. And so... Pause for a spasm. But, we, but there's so many people that don't do that. There's over 70% of the people who don't come back to that place. They go, they go back to the place where, where we resurrect the old guy. And this is what blows me away about it that I was going to, is that when I got saved, I, one of the scriptures God gave me is that, that when I became Uh, a Christian that Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me. So for me to actually go back to living the way I used to live, I'd have to resurrect the old guy. Does that make sense? So I I chose to say, you know what? I think I'm going to leave him buried. Leave him because the life I'm living now is so much better than the life I was living. So what happened was, is I started saying, okay, God, now how do I cultivate that? How do I get that into my life? How do I live this thing, not just profess this thing? And so it began to change in me. And the church has given people, and I, and I think many, many have this uh, uh, reason is because the church has given the wrong impression. It's really unintentional, unintentional that people return to the old thought. But the church has given people the impression that the most important part of your walk with God is that you call Jesus uh, 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 that you call on Jesus and then you be water baptized and, and nothing could be further from the truth. The most important part is that you come to him and that you continue in him because that's the true life of salvation. <laughs> I preached better than you guys responded on that one. I'll give you an example, right? If you're married in here, you know I'm telling the truth because if you tell me the most important part of my marriage is when I walk down the aisle and I said, I do. Okay, if you treat your spouse like that and say, okay, I'll see you later. I'll see you. You know, we're married now. Adios. It won't be long before you are adios. Right? You say, well, well, I'm happily married, or, or use the thought, same thought, I'm happily married because I, I walked down the aisle, we took the photos, we got married, I said some vows, or we exchanged rings. That made us happy. That made us, that, that made it marriage. One of the most, uh, I, I took my kids to Disney uh, World uh, several years ago, and one of, uh, while I was waiting on Duana and the kids to get off a of ride, I read one of the biggest lies I've ever read in my life. Okay, and I tried to think back. I tried to think of it, uh, but I remembered it to some, some extent. And I want to read you some of the things that, that I read. So I'm at the Disney uh, magic, uh, magical princess land, uh, standing there with my little daughter because my boys and Duana are on some kind of uh, death trap. And so 
And I, I, I see the biggest lie I've ever heard. It says, how Snow White and Prince Charming were going to ride off tonight in marital bliss and how they were going to get on a golden horse right off to a golden castle and everything they were getting was uh, 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 that between getting off of the golden horse to the golden castle was just going to be golden bliss. That's how I remember it. And they were going to live happily ever after, which everybody knows in this room, if you're married, is a lie. Because somewhere along from the golden horse to the golden castle and golden bliss lives the wicked witch who is going to cast a spell of disagreement on you in the process of getting to that golden castle. <laughs> right? It's like, uh, uh, is this part of it? Yep. <laughs> Welcome to marriage. I, everybody that's single just went, I don't want her to get married now. <laughs> but we know marriage is not just saying vows and exchanging rings. The, it really, there's no relationship that is that surface. All relationships require ongoing development, tending. You have to water. You have to, you have to nurture. You have to maintenance those things so it's not just a wedding but the work that happens after that makes the the tree live or it's the roots the things you really don't see below the surface i think one of the things that always intrigues me about relationships um and i'm you if you've been around me you know i teach on this a lot i have some great relationships great friends but I've, I'm, one of the things I always realize about relationships is, is oftentimes you can look at people you think have great relationships, and it's not because of what you see, it's because of what you don't see. That's very true. And oftentimes, even the negative that you don't see, I always say this to uh, young couples that I'm counseling, is that you don't have a clue what goes on in anybody's house. You have no clue. And so I would just challenge you to understand that relationships are not just the surface part. And I think sometimes we, right, in our culture today, we go, wow, check out her or check out him. And what we see on the outside is becomes our, our natural instinct that that's how the relationship would be. Oh, man, be with that. that oh, that would be great. And I, I and listen, I'm all for it, man. Look your best. Paint the barn, whatever you got to do to make it look good. Tuck it, lift it, enhance it, whatever. I don't care, right? When you're when you got furniture problems, your chest is in your drawers, do something about it. I don't care. But at the end of the day, remember it's what's below the surface. It's the roots of that relationship is making it happen. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> what, Pastor? What are you talking about? All right. Uh, got to keep going. Matthew chapter 7. Let me give you this. The, here, here's where we're going. He says, this is the parable Jesus speaks. He says, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the flood came, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He goes on, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains did come down. The rains did come down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Now there's two houses, two storms, one falls, one doesn't. What makes the house fall? 
what makes the house stand. It's not the storm. I think sometimes we read that in that way, is that the storm caused the house to fall. But it's not. It's simply the foundation. The foundation it's built on. Now Jesus says, if you hear these words of mine, and if you enact them, if you do them or accept them, and begin to live them, he says, then I'll compare you to someone who's wise, who has a great foundation, whose root system runs deep, and whatever comes against it, He uses a storm in this case, and I'm going to break that down for you just for a moment. And I think oftentimes we have all these things that we have in our lives that we look up to or that we we put into, uh, I don't know how to even say that, is that uh, we we do all these things. The question being is why do we do the things that we do? And I think oftentimes it's, it, we, it takes in beliefs. We believe, we have beliefs from people or that with things that we admire or look up to, we have people that we know or don't know, TV shows that we like or whatever, but we incorporate these beliefs into our lives and sometimes they're based on, sometimes they're based on the Word of God, which is a strong foundation, and sometimes they're based on experiences that we've had. Or sometimes they're based on things that, that have no root system at all. And in order to be rooted in the things of God, we have to be grounded in the Word of God. And that's when the storms of life can come against us and we can stand. So how do the, the Bible says there's a way they come, and I want to give them to you real quick. Jesus says, first of all, they came by the rain. The rain. Simply reprimanding. Uh, repre- rain is always a positive thing. In South Dakota right now, I'm sick of rain. Now, you, you know what I'm talking about. I hate the rain. I'm tired of rain. It ruins the golf game. <laughs> but most of the time, rain is a positive thing in Scripture. Jesus uses it as a negative thing. And remember, we're talking about a little, and it's not a rain that just once or twice. It's actually, he's using the idea, it's that constant pecking, the nuisance, the, the constant, you know, ringing of the rain just every day, hearing that. It causes us to give up, to, to stop or walk, stop our walk or fall short of the goal of being planted in Christ. And that's what happens in many people, and that's 70%, that say, I'm going to know Christ, I want to love Christ, I want to live for Christ, and then all of a sudden they go right back to the very thing that they were doing. Why? Because many times it's that constant pecking of the enemy right on our life, right on our shoulder, right in our ear, whatever it is, to say, hey, you know, you, 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 da, 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 and, and we give in to that. And so think about it. It's not one drop of rain that does us in. It's the constant pounding of rain, the continual rain. It's like the dripping faucet. And many of us will say that's no big deal, but it's wearing on us. And it wears on us. And the best scripture I got for this, and I'm sorry, ladies, but this is it. Proverbs says, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Not one man should laugh at that. But that, that's it. But he's using the analogy. Don't get me wrong. Solomon's using the wisdom. and He's saying, hey, it, this, is, this is what it's like. It's like just constantly wearing. The enemy comes at us with so many things and the negative thoughts and the negative circumstances and the issues and so many uh, who said, I believe on Jesus and we're saved, get frustrated by the negatives. They just give up and get out. Why? No roots. Nothing deep. Nothing solid, no foundation. Here's the second thing he says is the flood. 
the flood. And so many, and, and, and for many, we don't go through big things all the time. Many of us don't go through big storms all the time. We go through major, uh, small, uh, or excuse me, uh, little battles here and there. Uh, we don't go through a lot of major battles all the time. But have you ever noticed that when you face something major, it seems like it's not just one thing you're facing major? It's like several. Several at once. And it kind of takes us by storm. And it's kind of like, the only thing I could think about was when I was a kid, we would do cow tipping. Okay, listen, we ate a lot of paint chips when I was a kid, and we didn't have a lot to do. And so when you grow up on on a ranch... Right? There's not much to do, so you, 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 I won't even tell you some of the things we do. Uh, But one of the things you do is you say, if you find a cow, it has been said, and this is true, find a cow that you is off, you know, they stand, they'll sleep, right? If you find them and they're little, they don't know you're coming, if you hit them just right in the side, you can knock them over. I know it's not very funny, but uh, it's kind of what we did. Just, just a Tommy boy moment, I guess. But, uh, (laughs) but while they're not expecting it you can knock them off their feet and that's what the enemy does to many christians is while they're not expecting it while they're not grounded rooted why because we we think that the intake of the word is what we get on sunday morning pastor give me some word so i can make it six more days i'm like if all you're getting from me is the word you need to learn how to become a self-feeder Pick up the fork, man. Because there's going to be a storm that comes when you're not expecting it. And you can't, listen, you can call me, but I don't have as much power in your life as you have in your life. That is the best advice I could give you today. Over your children, over your family, over your marriage, I'll help you pray, but I don't have as much authority as you've got in your own home. You don't have as much authority in my home as I've got. And I'm talking spiritually. Everybody with me on this? All right, so that's what the enemy does to a lot of Christians. While we're not expecting it, expectation is grounded or rooted in the things of God. He hits them, and they just fall over. The Word says God raises up a standard against them. Let me give you a scripture. Isaiah 59 says, For the west, uh, from the west people will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun they will rever- uh, revere His glory, for He will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. Like a flood. He comes in like a flood. Here's the third thing, and that is the wind. He mentioned the wind. If Satan doesn't get you with the major attack of the flood or the constant dripping of the rain, the next thing he'll use is the wind. And wind here represents false teaching. Things that sound doctrine to the Bible, and there's a lot of that happening right now. I want to just stop and say one of the things that I struggle with in church today that if I wasn't a pastor, okay, I could not attend many churches because the word fun is nowhere found in the church. Hear me out on this. I like to come to church and it be fun. I like to come to church where the worship isn't, I'm singing something uh, that I feel like they wrote in 1492 when Columbus was on the ship. I want to sing something that, that lifts my spirit, right? That, 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 that I enjoy. Is that okay to say? I know I may be a, a stepping on some, you know, some hymn, hymn toes, but that's not my goal. I think there's some great hymns. But I want to know it's okay to laugh in church. 
Oh, man, that's like five people. Like, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to be real. It's okay to be, uh, uh, have that. And I think sometimes the, the doctrine of the church is like, oh, my gosh, you see that? They had a drummer up there. And I'm a little partial to the drummer because he's my son. And so... Um, <laughs> They had a drummer up there, and he was banging on the drums really loud. He did this really fast fill. What do you think this is, a rock concert? I've had better fun at a rock concert than I've had at some churches. I saw ACDC one time, and I loved it. And not because all the girls were taking their tops off. Not because of that. I told you we were going to laugh, right? Um, I, I loved it because it, it, people were, 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 you know, right? I, you, you'll see it. You go to football games, right? And people do this. What's that mean? Touchdown. We come to church, people do this. When the Vikings win, right, we're just celebrating when the Packers win. We're throwing our hands up, man. We're going crazy. I went to a Packers game a couple of years ago uh, where the Dallas Cowboys, you know of them, they throttled them, okay? Uh, and, <laughs> and I loved it because I was with a bunch of Packers fans. And so, uh, right? No, I'm just kidding. I, I can't say it too much because the person who took me was a Packers fan. Uh, but no, it's it great for me. But we were all just jumping out, or not all of us, but we were, when they would score, man, I was excited. Why? Because it's something victorious. I think church should be like that. Every wind of doctrine, people are blown back and forth going, oh, you can't do that. You can't. Oh, my gosh. They got a drummer. They got an electric guitarist. They got a, oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? It's okay. Let's enjoy the presence of God. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm preaching better. Yeah, that's some good stuff, right? But listen, how does the devil do it? This is what most people don't understand. If you ever watch Dateline, which my wife watches a lot of, so I always wonder if she's trying to kill me, Right? <laughs> Right, but if you ever see it where the spouse is going to kill the other person, right, or you're doing this investigative thing, they don't poison their spouse with something they hate. They put it in something they like. Right? How do you how do you trap a? I just everybody's looking at. "Mm." How do you trap a rat with some cheese? Things that he likes, right? But it's lethal. And I think the thing is, is that we, we don't understand the devil has to mix false teaching with something that sounds pretty decent. A wind of false doctrine is subtle. Most people don't even realize they've gotten into it until it's already taken root in their life. And what we have to realize is Satan... The enemy wants to rob us, number one, of our relationship with God. What is a relationship? It's something that is depth. He wants us to rob us. Second thing is a relationship with each other. And he uses devices like rain, wind, flood, backbiting, gossip. I mean, you, you use whatever storm you find yourself in. And come against people who love God until they just say these words. Forget it. It's too hard. And part of the church is at fault because we've tried to make it too hard. It's not too hard. It isn't. It's so every day we do our best to cultivate what God did in us. Every day. 
Every day, give me this day my daily bread. Don't give me leftovers. Give me something fresh today. Something today. Because he knows that if he can distract, discourage, depress, deceive, if he knows he can distract or discourage you, from being rooted and grounded in the life of God, he'll win. And listen, God wants you grounded. God wants you rooted. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray over you before we go today. And I want to share over the next two or three weeks, <laughs> how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we find that place where we grow deeper in our walk with God? How do we put down some roots? How do we have that relationship with God that we need? Well, the first thing you got to do, and that is what I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head, everybody close your eyes just for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I want to ask you this question. In order to have a root system and a be firmly planted, the first thing you got to know is Him. To have spiritual connection, you got to have faith in Him. That's how He said, you'll know me. Sometimes it's hard. It's like, I don't even understand all of God, but do you really want to understand everything of God? Because God would just literally fit just in your mind. Is that really a big God? I mean, there's a lot of questions I'll have when I get to heaven about to God because I want to know certain things but I'm, I'm okay not knowing because I want to serve a God that knows more than me because if I didn't he wouldn't be much of a God but one thing that I have figured out is that Jesus didn't die for nothing he died so that people could know him and no matter how bad we've lived, no matter how much we've, we've done it wrong, all he says is, this is his words, come to me. Three simple words, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Let me exchange your weight for my grace. So before we go today, my question is, is that, before you could ever be rooted in Christ, you got to know him. So do you know him? Have you made him the Lord of your life? Not just fire insurance, not just to escape, you know, the, the, the bad day that we hear about, but have you made him the Lord? The ruler of your life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you've never made that decision and you feel that, that Christ knocking at your door of your heart, if you would, Nobody's looking around. It's just me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Actually, I believe right where you're at, just like me, where I got saved was at my own apartment, alone by myself, and it changed my life that day. And it was just me and Jesus. So right where you're at, I'm going to ask you to, here's a step of faith. Just slip your hand up right back down and say, Pastor, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? I want to know Christ. I want to make him my Lord. And maybe you've drifted away from him. And it's time to come back. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody in this room say, that's me. I'm ready to do that. 
Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me. So I'll even help you with the words if you're here today and you say, Pastor, didn't raise my hand, but I need to rededicate my life back to the Lord. I need to give my life to the Lord. I'll help you with these words. Just It's just simple. Just right there where you're at, just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me if I sin. Today, I thank you for saving me, for changing my heart. Help me to live this thing that you call Christianity. Help me to live for you. Thank you. I commit my life to you. I commit my heart to you. I believe that you are God's son, that you were raised from the dead after being buried and crucified for my sins. Today, I place my faith in